Good evening, folks. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Just Thought You Should Like to Know. Well, today was an action-packed day, as most of you guys out there on social media found out. Eight o'clock this morning, they started doing the draw. Okay, everybody kept texting me and saying, hey, when are they gonna do this? When do the results come out and everything else? So let's, uh, let's put the rumors to rest. The draw happened at eight o'clock this morning. Finished up a little around noon, may, may, maybe a little bit later. Um, <clears throat> the one thing, this is the first time that I ever watched it live on the YouTube channel. I, I thought it was extremely well done. Uh, they had uh, Craig Forget, the district attorney on there uh, for legality reasons. Um, they had Zach from Kalkamai on there. And then they had Cody McGee on there as a representative from Endow. And they opened up the live chat, which I thought was a, a very smart move. And lots of questions asked. So real quick, let's just kind of go over some of the stats that were given out. As the process took place and was going on, um, they did, you, you got to follow along if you did it on the, on the Zoom and you got to see the numbers move and stuff and, and how far they went. So <clears throat> let's look at nomenclature, okay? <clears throat> you, you guys as sportsmen, you are known to that world of the third party contractor as a client. So you as a client may have put in for two, three, four, five different tags. Those are applications. So if you have one client, you last year, for example, the average 4.9 was the highest age group. Um, they do a very good job of breaking down the numbers, the stats and stuff. So how did this year change from last year? It's a good question. How many of you guys even remember how many tags were issued last year? Excuse me, not tags. How many applications were submitted? Little over 349,000, okay? Um, this year, 12% increase. Uh, the figures are right around 393,897 applications. Now that's not published, that's not printed. As the process went on, Zach was giving out information he could have even updated that number afterwards, so don't hold us to that number. Once everything gets done and finalized, they'll put a presentation package together and they'll give, they'll give out the precise numbers. Let's call it 394,000. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of applications that went in. So the bigger question is, okay, well, how many were sportsmen? Sportsmen, there was 85,056. It's an increase of last year. Last year they had a little over uh, around 80,000. So about 5,000 more sportsmen. Now that doesn't mean just from Nevada. This is, this is countrywide. If you uh, watch some of my other broadcasts, we talked about every, there's, the, last year there was a application from every state in the United States. Smallest state only had four applications from Rhode Island. So what I'm saying is every state, our neighbor state right next to us, California, had over 10,000 people that put in for tags. Texas had 1,100, Oregon, Washington, uh, they were up in the uh, thousands to 2,000 of those. So when we talk about 85,000 clients, that's not all residents. That's residents, non-residents, so on and so forth. So as we know, one of the bigger questions is, 
myself, I had I haven't had a deer tag in four years. So I had four bonus points. You square that. Four times four is 16, plus my application, I had 17. So a lot of the questions that I saw coming up were, well, how do you know how many numbers randomly to issue? And how do you set the parameters? The parameters are set in the computer. The randomized is between one and 100 million. So what I'm saying here is there's some big holes in that pattern of between one and 100 million. Between one and 100 million, they actually issued, um, this is round numbers, folks, 8.4 million numbers. It's a little bit more than that, but the actual number will get published. So think about that, 8.4 million. What we don't know is how many numbers were issued for each category, i.e., how many for sheep, how many for deer, how many for antelope. Hopefully, the Calcomind will break that down and give that information to us as well um, because then you're looking at uh, hey may I, I only hunt pronghorn or I only hunt deer and pronghorn or whatever a lot of guys put in for all of them they kind of want to know what their chances are um, wh what are their odds good good questions and in August Calcomine will be doing a presentation to end out at their August meeting I don't have it in front of me we can go on Endow's website and look and see where the meetings actually going to be held it's my belief that it'll probably be in person. All the, the half, last half dozen meetings have all been uh, virtual. So, um, and actually a lot of people have commented to us as the Southern Nevada Coalition for Wildlife, man, any chance that Endow will keep on doing the virtual, even if somebody happens to go, because man, I just can't drive all the way to Winnemucca or this or that. It's, I, I'm hoping they can find some version of that to where they can watch it live. So um, we'll keep our fingers crossed, see, see what happens with that. So like we said earlier, it was a 12% increase from last year. Here's the big takeaway. Since 2018, in three years, 36% increase. So last year's was 349,000. The year before that was roughly about 308,000. And before that was around 280 some odd thousand, 283 or something like that. So while the mule deer population is declining, the desire to hunt it is not. It is growing. So a um, little bit less tags issued this year. So uh, by statute, Endow has to give out the information within 48 hours. Well, that's at close of business today, which was five o'clock. So technically by Saturday evening, five o'clock, that's kind of their deadline. It doesn't mean they're gonna wait till the last minute. In fact, Endow, if you go to their, their uh, Facebook page and stuff, they're, they're calling it midnight uh, uh, madness. And starting tomorrow, Friday night at midnight, 12.01, people are gonna probably start hitting you know, endowlicensing.com and seeing, am I successful, am I not? Don't know. We would like to hear who, who is successful, who isn't, and more importantly, how many years have you been putting in for that you're unsuccessful? One of the questions that was asked today is, is there a cap on how many bonus points you can get? The answer is no. Uh, basically, you have a better chance of asking, well, how long am I gonna live? Because as long as you're alive and you're applying, if you're denied, you'll get a bonus point. It, it really is that simple. Now, um, part of tonight's update 
is as I watched some of this, I saw the questions coming across and I gotta tell you, 95% of the questions that came across could have easily been answered if you just watched the quota setting that was on the internet in May, the first of the month, all of them. So I looked at that and I, I, I kind of had a puzzled look and a puzzled thought of why are these people asking Calcomine? Well, what about tags in area 15? What about this? What about that? And it caused me to say, you know what? We didn't have a guest schedule tonight, but I think there's a need to go on and clarify a few things. Number one, Calcomine is a third party. They're not a division. They're not a department of NDAP. Let's look at your own household. If you go and rent or rent, if you go contract a contractor to come in and paint some walls, are you gonna ask them why your kid got the paper that they got in the third grade? Why did they get that grade? The painter has no idea. What I'm saying is, some of you are probably chuckling, laughing right now, going, oh my God. Yes, Calcomine is a third party. Fortunately for Calcomine, they are very up on the workings of Endow, how it works. They know the Endow personnel, they know them by name. That works in their favor because they're trying to take care of their customer. So Endow is the customer to Calcomine. Okay, this is, I believe it's their third year in doing this and they've been doing a, a very good job, a fast turnaround. So um, one of the analogies as I was watching this going, so I think that this person would probably call up the DMV and go and, hey, how do I get a stop sign at, my, at the end of my street? This is ridiculous. We got kids crossing everything else. Well, why would you call it? Well, they're the ones that give you people driver's licenses. Yeah, but they're not the ones who set the codes, the policies, the regulations. What I'm saying is for the traffic signal, you, call, you contact Department of Transportation, okay? So for the inner workings of what about the tags in this area for that one, you would contact NDOT. You would attend their quota setting session. We've got nine state wildlife commissioners that need and want to hear from us sportsmen. That's the reason they volunteer, yes, they are governor appointed, but they volunteer for that position. They need to know how can they best represent you. But folks, here's a newsflash. They are there to represent the wildlife. The wildlife comes first. So they have to take whatever measure they believe would be in the wildlife's best interest. That could mean an addition of tags, a reduction of tags. So let's look at this a little closer. The biologist do a recommendation. They say, and they break it down, very complex, but they break it down to every area in the state. And during that time, during that weapon class, it is a lengthy task to do. Those biologists dissect each one and say, for this area right here, with the data that we have in front of us and our model, so on and so forth, with all the current information they have, we feel justified in recommending this many tags where you as a sportsman come in and go, I hunted that area. I didn't have a tag. I took somebody in. I was in that area. I was in here for three weeks. I was in here for six weeks from this time to that time. Here's what we experienced. Here's what we noticed. And here's what we left with as far as knowledge. 
you say there's X amount of deer in that area, okay, I may want to argue with you. Where do you come up with that? Uh, we do deal in trends. You're never going to be able to find out exactly how many deer in this area, that area, how many mountain lions, all of that stuff. So they deal in trends. But here's your chance to get up to the microphone. You want to be a keyboard warrior? Sit at the keyboard and send the wildlife commissioners an email ahead of time. It says, I reviewed the recommendations and I agree or I disagree or I'm okay with this. Send that email in. For 85,000 sportsmen that apply and they only get a couple hundred emails. Wow. If you're that concerned, send an email in. Attend a cab meeting. 17 counties, there's really about 14 active cabs, probably about 10 of them, they're 10 to 12, I don't know exactly, that show up. And their, I, their job is to take comments from the public, the general public and sportsmen at that local level area. That area might consume two, three, four different hunt areas. They go to the state wildlife and they say, our cab, this was the feedback that we got for this area of the state. Our sportsmen wanted recommended that we think it should be this. And yet they knew ahead of time what their recommendation should be. So what we're looking at is for the justification. Why do you think it should be higher? Why do you think it should be lower? Why do you feel it's okay? With what? What are you seeing? As you guys go in this next season, I'm going to put a challenge out to you. If you're hunting elk, but you happen to see a lot more deer than you do elk, or vice versa, take a picture of the species that you're hunting or not hunting and say, wow, we're out here and here's, here's a herd of 25 deer. Do a video and go, let's see, there's 25 deer. I see one, two, three, four. I see five bucks in there. And let's see, I see one, two, four, you know, seven does and the rest are fawns. We call that a spot check. The more of those they can get and the more that information it is, it can be beneficial. It doesn't mean they're going to change to what you found, you saw, because those areas are big. My point is, if our last meeting, if you listened in, we had our topic was who sits at the proverbial table? We as sportsmen have a seat at the table if we choose to sit down. If we don't choose to sit down, then you're going to have to take what's given to you. So you have a choice. Would you rather have a say in what you're receiving? Or are you happy with what you're getting with no input? There is no right. There is no wrong. It's whatever the two of you agree upon. What I mean by that is you and the person issuing the recommendation, i.e. the biologist, or could be the state wildlife commissioner. They may or may not see your way, but I will tell you, they will talk to you. They'll answer emails. They're a working person just like you are. They probably can't take a phone call at 11.15 in the morning. But I guarantee you, the majority of all of those will call when they get off work, send a text back, an email back, they will probably do some form of communication with you. Um, I highly suggest you take them up on that. In Endow's website, 
all the nine state wildlife commissioners have their contact info and they have their email. If you want to be courteous and polite, send them an email and let them respond when they have time. I have gotten a response back 99% of the time that I've sent an email out, a phone call out, and I can say that with Endow as well. If I want to call up a, a biologist or somebody at Endow because I've got a question on this, um, I get feedback. I'm not going to say this is our department, but I'm going to say that our money runs that department. Have a little bit of say in how that money is being spent. They may not have to agree with you, but as with every government agency, I can tell you there's a lot of guys that have a big heart and they put their best effort forward. The guys that are boots on the ground. This last year has been exceptionally hard. Clark County, 240 days with no rain. Man, they got to start flying some areas to find out if there's gussers that are going dry. You know, that's the sheep ones and stuff. What about our up and game? What about our quail guzzers? How many of you guys have a trailer and maybe have access to a 250 gallon tank, probably a generator and say 300 feet of hose? What's to stop you guys from going to Endow and talking to them about how do we sign up so that you guys can get credit? What we wanna do is we wanna go fill up some of these up and game guzzers, sheep guzzers in hopes of saving money so that they don't have to fly it in with helicopters and all that stuff. There's a lot of them you can't get to here in the South. But up in North, yeah, I wanna tell you, I have received phone calls this last week and it says, I hope we're not waiting till the last minute to decide to go do some emergency water hauls. Got a handful of guys right here, uh, ranchers and stuff that have uh, water trucks and and uh, water tanks on traders for their cattle and stuff. It says, if you tell us you got one that's in, it's empty, gonna be empty, me and a couple guys, we'll go out and we'll hit some of these. Dude, that's how we work. So you have uh, organizations like Southern Nevada Coalition for Wildlife. Um, we'll help coordinate that. Reach out to us. If you have an idea that you would like to have, I mean, you may, it may be hard getting a hold of Endow uh, to answer your questions or to sign up for that stuff. Reach out to us. Let me give you my phone number, 702-400-6501. If you got an idea, call me. I will help you guys help the wildlife, okay? So Memorial Weekend's coming up. Very busy week for us this next week. Um, we're going to be having some people come on that uh, are currently uh, affiliated with Go Hunt. Um, we are going to put a panel together here. And for the next couple of weeks after that, we're going to have some panel discussions. We may not come to any great conclusion, but rather than listening to one point of view, we want to listen to three, four, maybe five point of views and uh, talk about um, you know, what is ethical hunting. What is, uh, you know, we don't uh, take muzzle loaders, no scopes. It's primitive, it's iron sights. There's reasons for a lot of the stuff, but more importantly, I think we need to understand 
who the governing agency is that a lot of those questions that went out today to Calcomine should have been directed at Endow. We have a lot of people moving into the state. My God, we went up 40 some thousand applications uh, this year alone where we've got different laws in Nevada that may be different than California, Arizona, Utah, whatever. Um, that's kind of where the coalition comes in is, you know, we'll be a clearinghouse if you want us to. We're another source of information that we can help you. We can help you on the political side where we try to educate our senators, assembly people. Uh, we try to partner with the Nevada Firearms Coalition, gun bills, um, stuff like that. That affects all of us. So as a sporting community, we all need to be involved. Doesn't mean you gotta get all dressed up and go down to a meeting. The involvement could be make a phone call, send an email in, forward some emails on that you might've received and, and help keep everybody in the loop, so to speak. Maybe you're only an archery hunter. Nothing wrong with that at all. We've got some people that only want a muzzleload hunt. Some people only want to archery. Some people that only want to do all legal weapon. And you know, um, all legal weapon, you can use a crossbow. A lot of people don't know, they can't use it in archery, but if you choose to, you could use that for all legal weapon, okay? You've got some ideas that you think need to be changed, updated, reach out to your local cab. Go on Nendow's website, go to meetings, and then it'll go take you down to the state wildlife and off to the left-hand side, it'll say uh, citizen advisory boards. All the counties in the state that actually have a citizen advisory board. Let's talk about that for just a little bit. We know that the nine state wildlife commissioners are appointed by the judge. How do you get on the cap? Who, are they elected? Are they appointed? Who gets to pick and choose? That falls to the county commission in that respective county. So those county commissioners are the ones who appoint the CAB members. CAB stands for Citizen Advisory Board to Manage Wildlife. So it's C-A-B-W-W. We, re we commonly refer to it as CAB. So um, you guys got some subjects or some topics that you'd like to see us talk about, cover, discuss. Hey, maybe you just moved in here from another state and you could say, you know, back home, we do it like this. How come you guys do it like that? I can tell you right now, you're probably not gonna see a whole lot of tree stands in Nevada, okay? So some of you that are coming from back east, it is a whole different world. I can tell you this, the majority of the people that are successful don't hunt off the road. Park the vehicle, get out and walk, while they're quiet, it's a spot and stock. I'm not saying you can't get a stroke of luck and find one across the road, but guess what? You can't shoot across the road. The Las Vegas Woods and Waters just had their last luncheon and they invited the, the game wardens to come talk. First time in the 30 years. <clears throat> the average age of Las Vegas Woods and Waters was 75 years old. So as the game wardens were talking and saying, hey, you know what? Um, you can't have a loaded weapon in the vehicle. However, if you have a CCW, you can have a, a loaded uh, sidearm, a pistol on you. But that's the only thing that can be loaded. And our group is like, okay. And then they elaborated. You can't shoot off the side of the, the truck. You can't lean off the mirror or whatever. 
and uh, one of the other game wardens said, let me make it simple. You can't even lean a loaded firearm up against the vehicle. The Woods and Waters members that were 75 years old had never had a hunter safety course. They were all born before 1960. Some knew it, but they didn't understand some of the ambiences of what, what truly goes on because they're hunting today the way that they did probably back in the 60s. You know, back in the 60s, nobody carried a, uh, binoculars. That was an anomaly to see somebody. That was an anomaly to see somebody with a scope. Uh, you know, those were, those were pricey. Those started to come around. And our panel that we're going to have on here is going to kind of talk about that. How did you get started? When you came into the hunting tradition, what was the so-called standards or etiquettes at the time you came in? Who taught you how to build a fire? You know, it's kind of obvious today that you could look at somebody's woodsmanship and, you, you know, got a cup of gasoline or two cups of gasoline and a big log. We, we joke about how, how are you ever going to get that to catch fire? You know, you got to start with the small stuff, the tenders and, and, uh, and stuff. So a lot of this I, uh, stuff we're going to be bringing up in the next couple weeks. So you got some kids, we, we air in the evening time, get them around, get them around the computer. Let them listen to some of this stuff. We'll talk about where do you place your tent? How do you keep your, you know, your sleeping bag from getting cold underneath? Um, you know, what do you, uh, what do you use for a restroom when you're out? Leave no trace. Leave no trace wasn't around, I shouldn't say, wasn't as prevalent in 1960 as it is today, 60 years later. So um, guys, want to thank you want to wish you a world of luck with the draw midnight madness starts tomorrow night at 12 30 excuse me 12 o'clock you can keep your computer on to start checking on if you want but the majority of the results will be out by five o'clock on saturday so hope you the best of luck thank you for tuning in and check us out next week thank you <music>